Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's interview features New York-based artist, Dean Christensen. So right out of school, Dean created a series of paintings, then turned around and sold those paintings at his art show. He used that money that he gained from that show to buy a one-way bus ticket to New York, where he stayed on a friend's couch for two months until he was able to get on his feet with finding a job and kickstarting his art career. This interview aims to inspire you to take a risk towards doing the unique thing that only you want to do and to dig deep and create a style that's all your own. We chat about the current projects we are currently working on and how they align with our own strange slash edgy slash fun styles. Dean's journey is very relatable, especially because it's still fresh. He's still in the sort of beginning middle parts of his journey and in some ways, but he doesn't let doubt or fear paralyze him into not taking action and the next step and the next big thing. You know, he's recently started an art gallery with a business partner and talks about the challenges behind that along with the unexpected success of it all so far. (laughs) This is a wide ranging conversation that spans across painting, NFTs, pop-up galleries, and diving into projects headfirst. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Dean Christensen. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Dean, and I'm so excited to talk to you about your art. It's very unique. And But anyway, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. First off, thanks for having me, Andrea. I listened to a few episodes and you were so wholesome, and it's so informative and helpful for artists. And yeah, I'm grateful to be on here. But yeah, so my name is Dean Christensen, aka Dean Sachi, and I'm a professional oil painter by trade. I've also turned my business into kind of like a clothing line. I design clothes and toys, and I do prints and all that stuff. Oil painting is my main thing, and I'm grateful to be where I am. Yeah, yeah so how did you get to where you are? Where did it start? Okay, gotcha. Okay, so I'd say for me, it was the summer of my eighth grade year. And uh, I was going into high school and I wanted to make some friends before I went to high school. So I decided to take a summer class. For me, it was between gym or art. And I had doodled and stuff in middle school before, which I never really had taken art classes, actually. But I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I had such a good time. I fell in love with my instructor. He was this crazy old man. He would like scribble out paintings and make people cry, which sounds horrible. But for some reason, me and him really connected and he took me under his wing. And so from there, I was able to start out at the advanced level art classes in high school. And then that led to me going to something called Governor School of the Arts, which is like a private program that gives you access to all these scholarships and things like that. So I did that and I ended up going to college on a full scholarship for art. And so since eighth grade, the path was paving itself, so to speak, in my case, which I know isn't the case for everybody. But yeah, so that was how I got into it. Yeah, (laughs) I had to start with. So how did you start making money as an artist? Tell me about maybe your first couple sales and how you make sales today. How has that changed? Okay, gotcha. So my first sales actually were, I was working at a summer camp and It was expensive to go to this summer camp. I was working there, not getting paid very much, but I knew that the kids had money. And so when it was parents' day and all the parents came, 
I said, hey, I'll do a portrait of your kid for, you know, I think it was like $90. <laughs> and they were like, great, yeah, that'd be great. And so I did a bunch of portraits of these kids and I made more money than anyone else at the summer camps. Just during that parents' day, got all these people to sign up for kid portraits. And that was my first kind of buy hustle into making money. I was probably 20, maybe at, I think I was 20. And then my first actual professional achievement was that same year I entered my uh, local art show, which I went to college in Bowling Green, Kentucky, <laughs> and it's out there. But I entered two paintings in and I ended up actually winning Best of Show, which was crazy because all my teachers also were in it. <laughs> and I beat them and got Best of Show. And I was like, okay, which it's not like it's a competition at all because everyone's taste is different. You're like, but I won. Um, so. <laughs> but I won. <laughs> but I walked into class like, hey, look, I'll give the instructions now. <laughs> no, Love it. I had a great relationship with my teachers. So we gave each other a hard time. <laughs> I brought it up all the time. But yeah, so I'd say that winning Best of Show. And then the next year, is when I started doing my selfie work. And I submitted two massive selfie paintings. And I priced them both at a million dollars. <laughs> Just because I know no one's going to buy it anyway, might as well guerrilla market a little bit and price it really high. And I ended up winning best of show again. And then it was really like walking into class, <laughs> feeling good. So that, that was probably and I think the reward I think was like $300 or something for winning Best of Show in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But I'd say that was the turning point where I realized there's something here, like this kind of goofiness that I, I like to do naturally is being rewarded by this fine art world. And so that was what really, I guess, was the turning point for me to take it more serious. Very cool. How do you get customers nowadays? Like, How do people find you? And what are you creating mostly? Oil paintings? Yeah, mostly oil paintings. I've been trying to get into murals more. Oh. I've done a few murals lately. And I need to get your book, I think. <laughs> because they pay well. And generally, you can do them in a couple of days. And, and they're just fun. It's cool to work with your whole body and paint really big. Which I've done, I think, five now. But yeah, I, I'm definitely taking that more serious. But yeah, so oil paintings are my main thing. And since I've been a full-time artist, which is really the past three years, private commissions are my main source of income. And those are, it's really all over the place. It's hard to pick one way that customers come in. Instagram used to be without a doubt the number one the, the algorithm has changed a little bit over the years. And now it's harder to reach new people which I'm trying to get better at reels. I see you've got some awesome reels. Thanks. And re yeah, reels can be really helpful for bringing in new eyeballs. But yeah, I would say word of mouth lately has been the biggest. I did one recently and it's a friend of mine from my hometown in Louisville, Kentucky. And she has a lot of, she's a very sociable person and she has a lot of the people over all the time. And so they've just been like, did you do that painting? Can I get one? Oh, perfect. It's good to yeah, know well-connected okay. people. <laughs> I know, I know. That's part of the game, unfortunately. But. Yeah. So how are you pricing your original work? So like maybe give me a range. Like usually they land between this amount and this amount. So one thing that has really changed the game for me, which is a little businessy, but I assume we have mostly artists that listen to this. We're not giving our secrets away to the collector. No. <laughs> but I have this Google form that I made that kind of gets them 
it's a game of what's your price? And you say, what's your budget? What's your price? What's your budget? That whole back and forth. So I have this Google form that has them fill out their level of detail, describe the painting in a few words. It's basically 10 to 12 questions that walk them through this ladder, give me all the information, which I need anyway. And then the last question is, what's your budget? And if it's a friend, a close friend, I usually give them just the price up front. But a lot of times, if you're working with a company or someone that maybe actually has to spend their marketing budget, you don't want to lowball them. And they're like, we need to pay more because we have the years ending and we have to get rid of this money. Which is problems, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is a problem that I didn't even know was a thing. But there was a, a mural I did recently and I was like, let's do 2000. They're like, can we make it free? It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, the what's your budget question is is really helpful. And I think the way to make that not such a back and forth game is to have something like a Google form. That's a good idea. Yeah, just get all the stuff up there up front. That way there's no, what size is it? What's, yeah, just less back and forth. Yeah, just get all the information and it's all there. It's all documented and that helps them feel more skin in the game. They're not just going to back out, which happens on occasion too. Yeah, what's the most you ever sold a painting for? I think $7,000. That's pretty great for an original painting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I feel like yeah. murals are like big, so you can charge a lot for that. But I think it's harder for me to get a customer to pay a lot for a canvas painting or something like a custom sure. like that. So I think it's really cool when artists tell me that you can get those big numbers for something like that. Yeah, what, what was yeah. It, it was a painting of Italic Buterin, the guy who created Ethereum. This was during the NFT boom. Cool, yeah. Uh, and I had a fair amount of success in NFTs, which now that I think about it, it was a painting that I did that I turned into an NFT that generated like $20,000 overnight. Wow. And I was like, what is going on? But that craze is over. So that's not... And that was the NFT that made that, not the painting necessarily. So that doesn't quite count. Oh, no, that but, counts. You're um, still selling something for <laughs> that much, even though it's yeah. a digital thing. <laughs> okay, cool. we'll count it. But so that that was during that time where I had some buzz in the NFT world, and a fairly wealthy man wanted me to. We actually directed an entire gallery together, and part of that was he wanted me to paint him the most crypto painting of all time, and that's what we landed on. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I got into the NFT thing for a little bit too and just got like a sale after sale. I mean, n- nothing crazy big, but like a few hundred dollars here. Mm-hmm. Few, they just kept going and I was like, man, this is crazy. And then it just died off a little bit. And also I lost a little bit of interest because I was like, this is like sure. you know, online. I don't know. I just wasn't like, super into it. But if it could come back, do you think it's going to come back or you think that's just a fad that's gone? It's hard to say. I think the technology is actually really sound. And I, I guess it gets compared with the website boom yeah. all the time. And and that was like crazy. Like people were buying domain names for millions of dollars and then it tanked and then it, it leveled out. So I think it'll come back, but not like the craziness at the beginning. Yeah. I have friends that became millionaires in those couple months and it's so crazy to me. But yeah, I think it'll probably level out in like a gamified way. I do think the fine art will have value, like the one of one fine arts because you can tie it to the painting. Yeah. So you, you own the physical and you have this proof, you know, aside from an invoice or a piece of paper, you can actually 
have it verified on the blockchain. I like that. I actually am doing a commission right now for an NFT buyer who he bought one of my NFTs and he bought the one of one with it. So he, he's oh, both wow. and he wanted another one. And so I'm making another painting and I'm going to put it as an NFT and sell it to him for the same price as I did the other one. But I get so many people being like, I want to buy your NFT that are like, that are scammers. But so this guy came and I was like, yeah, that's the thing. Wait, it's, it's, I have one sell from it, but I was just like, it's just a one, one in the past year to thing. So I don't know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's leveled out. Yeah. It's a shame that it got so overrun by the scammers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so easy to scam on. You just convince something, somebody, something is going to raise in value. And yeah, but I, I think that'll level out. Yeah, so you have stuff on apparel. How did you, how did you go about that? What's the process? Just tell me all about it. Yeah, for sure. For most of my stuff, I do drop shipping. Like this is my main hoodie that kind of has sold more than anything else. Super colorful. But it's just love it. It's yeah, it's all sublimation printing, and I use Printful, <laughs> which is one of the more common ones. Have you heard of Printful? Yeah. And so it's actually really great. I've tried a bunch of things there and it, it seems to me like the sublimation is the best quality, but it's great because it's all no expenses up front. So you can really start from zero. I can't afford my own stuff sometimes, but I can make it, I can design it and then I can sell it for whatever price I want. And they saying this as if you don't know what dropshipping is, but do, do you know what, what dropshipping is? I do, is? but some people don't. So I really just explaining it True. in just layman's terms is great. Yeah. So it's great. You make the design and you create the product all digitally, and then they buy it from your website and it takes the wholesale cost out of your account and buys the product and ships it to them. And their money that they spent on your website goes into your account at the price that you set it at. If that makes Kinda, sense. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Make money off of Okay, yeah. so you upload it. They create the whole thing. Is it set up to where if you order from your website, it automatically goes to Printful? Oh, that's nice. It's all automated. Yeah, so they order it and then it gets shipped to them and you're completely hands off. So every once in a while, you just get like a couple hundred dollars or here or there. I mean, depending. Some people, it's their full-time thing and they can really... 10,000 a month type thing. I'm not there yet, but it is nice to, to have a hands-off business kind of passively going on. For sure. You have a gallery, the online gallery or in-person of the Worthless Gallery? The Worthless Gallery. So that's the gallery that I started with the guy who commissioned my Vitalik painting. Okay. And yeah, so he also hired me to art direct that gallery, which we're in between spaces right now. We, we had a four-month pop-up, which was initially going to be like a two-week pop-up, but it ended up doing fairly well. And so now we're moving to a different, it's like a farm, like a big farm, like barn area in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, wait, so you, your pop-up was where and <laughs> what did you have in it? Okay, so yeah, it was the title of the show was called Post Analog 2.0. And the theme of the show was just works that could not have been created pre-internet. So everything had a tinge of online culture to it. And we had, it was a whole chocolate factory that we rented out. <laughs> okay, I love it. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was such an undertaking. And we had, I think it was like 15 days or something to fully turn it into an art gallery. So it was like full 12-hour days, no sleep, getting all the artists we could involved in Louisville. And it, yeah, it ended up being the most successful show I've been a part of. Like we had bodyguards and things like that, like with a line up front and it was like, what's going on? Wow. What do you think made it successful? 
The guy that I was working with, he is a big beneficiary in Louisville. His name is uh, Benjamin Worth Bingham Miller. And there's basically two very wealthy families in Louisville. There's the Binghams and the Browns, and they own like all of Louisville. <laughs> so having his name attached to it, and he goes by Worth, and so we called it the Worthless Gallery, I think turned a lot of heads yeah. in our town, which coming from a smaller town, I think it's easier to make big waves, which I live in Brooklyn now, so I'm not fully following my own advice there. But it was a big wave that we made in, in Louisville. But yeah, I think having his name on it made it a big thing. And we did a good job at reaching out to local influencers and things like that to get the quote unquote cool people there. We had some music performances and DJs. and Dang, it, that's a yeah. cool production. Okay, so it was you and this investor guy who did this. We had some more help. I think we had five employees total. But I, I was directing and telling them what to do. How did you know what to do? <laughs> so I have worked at some blue chip galleries here okay. in New York. So just working as an art handler and also being an artist in terms of hanging art, install, deinstall, reaching out to people, getting the right people involved, having enough credibility for people to listen to my artistic vision just from having had shows in Louisville and things like that. And a lot of them were not in the arts yet. So I guess I, they relied on me, but I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> I'm talking like I did, but it, it was like, I can't say no to this. And I like being thrown in positions like that. That's like when I thrive, like I have ADD. And so when I'm thrown in a position where you just burn the ship and there's no turning back, it's like the adrenaline kicks in and I get like hyper-focused. You know? okay. And so I was just staying up late and Getting everything hung, it was a lot of work, but it ended up really paying off. Very cool. It seems like your art style is your secret weapon. You have a very distinct style that's very like edgy fun. Can you tell me how you came across that? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I guess it is edgy fun. <laughs> it's funny, my style has changed so much over time. I used to paint only with palette knife. And I would have to do a painting in five hours or I would lose interest. And I never really planned on going edgy fun, but it just happens like repetition and repetition. And eventually you start to fall back on the things that light you up. And But you have to explore all the dark little corners first in, in a way. So for advice for other artists, it's really just keep making and making. And then eventually someone will be like, you have a style that's edgy and fun, and then you get to recognize that it's edgy and fun. But it almost happens on accident, at least for me. But yeah, I mean, I've just always been a silly guy. Like I was class clown in high school, and I recently did a painting, and the lady who commissioned me for it wanted her favorite dildo in the painting. I was like, <laughs> this is... And, and her favorite vape in the painting. And I was just like, I feel so honored that you chose me to do this, just because... We're in the arts. We are in the very few professions where we can bend the rules and challenge the status quo and be silly and edgy. Like, why not take advantage of it? I love that. Yes. I think I forget about that too often because I am just very business-minded. I'm like, I need to make money. Like, how can I go about this to look professional? And it's, oh no, we're artists. We can do crazy yeah, yeah, every yeah. once in a while and still or all the time and still be like oh sh she's an artist it's, it's okay <laughs> right bob ross said it best that he's like 
people say I'm a little crazy. And I just say, I'm an artist. <laughs> Something. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what are some other fun subjects that you've painted or funny commissions or fun thing, edgy fun things? So, okay. So I currently, I can show you here. I have a series that I'm painting of celebrities, but as like Roblox characters. <laughs> so I paint them. Oh, it's, everything's reversed. I paint them, their faces like fully stretched out <laughs> into these rectangles. Oh my gosh. And I'm installing them like so I can slide them, move them around. <laughs> so this is a little bit of a leak because I haven't told anyone this, but I'm working towards a show called Build Your Character. And I just want it to be interactive. Like people can physically move the heads onto different bodies and paint, paint the full bodies as well. What? And That's then have cool. it be like Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get that idea from? Uh, yeah. Good question. I, I don't know. It was a late night. <laughs> in the shower. And... I just thought about. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I think I was laying in bed. So I have this friend, Levi. And he has been absolutely crushing it. He makes tables, but they look like human <laughs> legs. <laughs> and like the top is like a t-shirt and wears pants. And so you, it's such a perfect way to collaborate with different fashion brands and things like that. And he's the sweetest guy. I wish him all the success in the world. He's been crushing it. And we're going to Art Basel tomorrow. I'm really pumped, but... But so he got a collaboration with Pharrell and with Adidas and all these things. And I was like, I, I actually was the one that told him, you need to reach out to these brands and collab because I, I don't think you realize what a special thing this is here. And so many brands want that sign up the local artist to feel more human. And so he crushed in. So then I was like, what's something I can do in that vein? And these Roblox kind of cube of bodies, which are so strange. But if you think about but things that kids worship nowadays. It's they all play Fortnite and Roblox and all the Minecraft and all these video game characters. So I, I actually thought it was a powerful concept in terms of commentating on what we worship. Yeah. Oh, you have my mind spinning of just things that I want to do. I want to do this like this series. Okay, I don't know if we believe this out, but I want to do like a badass bitch series for working women in the work world with like, not necessarily a businessman, but a businesswoman. Like, like the idea is like some woman like Marilyn Monroe riding a tiger, holding a wad of cash and just throwing it. Yes, and everything's hot yes. pink. And I'm like, I'm working yes. on it. I'm like, so if anybody has any ideas of something like that, let me know. I'm still working through the details of what I can do. But you make me want to actually do that because I have so many ideas and just different things to do. But hearing just your edgy fun style, I'm like, I want to be edgy. I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, be yeah. Like <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds really awesome. So my series before this was actually, I it's in a similar vein, which is, I don't know how much you followed my work, but I would paint myself in the works of masters. So I painted myself like riding a Jeff Koons balloon dog shirtless, but I'm like taking a <laughs> selfie and like riding a Kusama pumpkin, but as if I'm Cinderella. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> oh, like, lo oh, a Cinderella <laughs> one would be fun. Okay, she's mm. a badass bitch. <laughs> she's a badass bitch, for sure. <laughs> With a wad of Cinderella. Yeah, like you could paint someone as Ruth Bader RBG, I forgot how to pronounce your last name, but as Cinderella yeah. or something like that, or Oprah. Mm. <laughs> Oprah riding in the Cinderella's carriage, <laughs> like mushing the horses. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> awesome. Okay, tell me more about your art stuff. You're, you're inspiring me. What about some other fun things? And how did you get these ideas? Yeah, it's always hard. It's how did you just get that idea? The Marilyn Monroe <laughs> writing with money. It's they just it's almost like the ideas find you in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just like to allow them to Yes, happen. I think that's... When I sit down and I really think about them, it's almost like I scare them away. Yes, I think that's exactly what you're doing. It's, you're just feeling what you're just doing what you want and you're not talking yourself out of it. You're like really in tune with what you right. like. And I think that's hard because we're so far in it, right? I'm so far in my business where I think about numbers and all the things and I'm like, oh no, what do I want to paint? And so you're thinking about what do you want to paint? Nothing else matters. What do you like? You could paint anything today and you're doing it. You're doing the thing you want to paint. I certainly strive for that. That's flattering. I struggle with all the same doubts and thinking about the numbers and things like that. Yeah, probably more now with age, but that's because I am a full-time. It's almost like when I had the consistent money from a day job, I was more focused on my personal art. But I mean, I still paint. I don't know. I'm just talking in circles here. But yeah, I, I do appreciate that. But, you know, just to let you know that the doubt is still there for sure. Good and, you know, when I land on an idea like these Roblox characters, it's very much like I know it'll be fun. It, it has to match like a couple bases. I know it'll be fun. I know that it will be open enough for people to do collaboration for me to reach out to companies and maybe if, if it's like a bar in Nashville, I could paint like a cowboy like body as a Roblox character or something like that. Like it still checks off a couple boxes. Yeah. Yeah. My mind is just still spinning of ideas. Sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> so just one, <laughs> yeah. one last question and then we'll wrap this up is mm-hmm. what advice do you have for artists that want to do what you're doing right now, but are just in the very beginning and they're listening to this and they still have a full-time job and they're like, gosh, that sounds like so much fun painting what Dean's painting, like, but how do I make it happen? What's your best advice for how they get started? Gosh, that is a good question. Well, if you're in college, which is when I had the switch, I would say just almost ignore your assignments and use that free time where you don't have to worry so much about money and make a series of work that you're really proud of. You'll still pass your classes. Trust me, because I did this. <laughs> you know, ignore the assignments, but just paint the thing you want to paint and then maybe make it fit the mold of what the assignment was. But try and come up with a series of work that you feel strong enough about to then have a show out of school. And yeah, I mean, I can really only speak on what I've done and this is what I did. And I was able to have a show right out of school and then make enough money from that show to take my one-way bus ticket to New York and... I had one one suitcase full of clothes and one full of art supplies and a friend that let me sit on the couch for two months and that gave me enough time to get a job and then get my own place and then be able to start to make more of an impact in the city. So I would say if you're in a full-time job, start as a hobby, in my opinion. (laughs) Start as a hobby and security is great and we live in America and you need to have funds to pay for things like healthcare. So don't just burn the ship if you have a lot of responsibilities on your shoulders, but start as a hobby and post on TikTok, post on Instagram and make a separate page for your postings. Cause a lot of times your friends are, it, it can just have a little bit of a different impact when you're posting to all of your friends and they don't already see you as an artist. But if you start fresh, and then you get the new people, oh, I love your work. And then it starts to be a real thing. 
I hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think you okay. did. It sounds like you took a risk there and moving and doing the things. And it just sounds like you're being very true to yourself. And even though it's tough, I think any of us would be like, here we go, or I'm just going to try this thing, or but you're doing it. And I think that's why we're having you as a guest today. It's because it's inspiring to see that you're doing the things and being true to yourself and you're doing all that inspirational stuff. Yeah, I absolutely love what I do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Every time I make money from this, I'm still like, oh my gosh, can't believe that. I'm just in my studio pushing around pigment and I'm getting paid. It's so cool. (laughs) So yeah, in that regard, I feel very free and happy. I'm not rich by any means, but I think that's the goal. I can still go out to eat and pay my bills. Yep. You get to live life and be creative. And that's the goal for all of us really is just to do this as a job or to to do this so we don't have to do other jobs and to like our job. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've done a great job at that. You're really inspiring to me. I really am super pumped to be on here right now. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 We just spend so much time working and so it's, you might as well love it and give it your all and do what you like. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and giving us a moment of your day. And that's all I have for today, but we will stay yeah. in touch. I'll continue to follow you. I, everybody, I put his link to his Instagram in this podcast caption. And yeah, everybody give him a follow. If anything, it's, it's inspiring to watch you do your thing. It's like a reminder for us to do our thing too. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's get silly and edgy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a great way to end it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. I've been putting out at least one episode per week for more than four years on this podcast. And it's really cool to see those download numbers go up and up as time goes on. And that's because artists like you listen and share these episodes. So really... When I say thank you, I mean it. (laughs) It's really cool to see progress along the way. And anyway, if you like this type of art and business content, then I highly encourage you to get the audio version of my book, Mural Money, with over 15 hours of listening inspiration. I'm currently running a special of just $17 for the audio version. You can go to muralmoney.com to find it. And that comes with a bunch of extras like my art supply list, my pricing guide, recommended book and podcast list, and so much more. I filled that book with tips from my art journey of building a profitable mural career. Plus, I've included the best of the best advice from guests I've interviewed on this podcast. It's the most affordable all-in-one book of advice on art and business that I have. And if you enjoy listening to me here, then I know you'll like the book too because I read it myself all 15 hours of it. (laughs) The book is available on Amazon and Audible normally for $25, but if you go to muralmoney.com, that is where you can grab the special $17 deal while it lasts. If you haven't listened to my book yet, this is your sign to do it. Again, normally $25, running a special for $17, but you have to go to muralmoney.com. That's where you can grab the audio version of it. And that's all I have for you today. So I will see you next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.